0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا The وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا wa الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد. I share the excitement and the enthusiasm that Sheikh Musa uh, expressed and I would like to add to it that there are great parts of our deen that we have ourselves missed out on, that we have ourselves been deprived of because of our lack of attention and importance that we give to gatherings like this. Even Sidi Anas, who uh, with uh, Sidi Sami, mashallah, read these uh, nasheeds so beautifully for us uh, and these words of praise of the Prophet. The average Muslim in America, if they were to see it, they would say, What is this? You're coming together to sing poetry? This reminds me of church. People say things like this. Whereas these are established traditions in the Muslim lands and Muslim countries. People say, ah, that's your culture, leave your culture at home. Okay, go ahead, leave your culture at home. If you actually read the, the text earlier today, didn't, didn't, didn't it pass the poetry of the Prophet Sallallahu that he enjoyed? He himself wasn't a poet, but he would listen to the poetry of the poets that was said in truth. He didn't enjoy listening to aesthetic poetry but when the poets would say some piece of truth you would enjoy listening to it. The poet laureate of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hassan bin Thabit, by far he wasn't the only poet from the Companions Sayyidina Ali, his poetry is amazing. The uh, Khulafa Rashidun, there are abiyat attributed to them. There are entire Dawaween anthologies of poetry that you can find from uh, various prominent companions. Hassan bin Thabit was actually paid in gold by kings to write uh, panjirik uh, poetry, qasaid in their praise. And there are a lot of interesting stories about it. We don't have time to get into it, but he used to make a lot of money. He used to make a lot of money for the poetry that he would write. Something about Rasulullah captured his heart. He abandoned all of that and lived the rest of his life in poverty in Medina Munawwara. And he lived to a very old age. He died over a hundred years old. He lived to a very old age. Hassan bin Thabit, when he would write poetry, he would write it in defense of Islam against the nonsense accusation that Disbelievers would make against it. Today, uh, 2021 is not the only time when people, Fox News gets up and manufactures nonsense about Islam. And it's not just Fox News, they're all Fox News. All of them are. BBC is Fox News with a British accent. <laughs> CNN is Fox News for a particular class. It's all the same. This is not the only time they used to do it. The Mushrikeen, the idol worshippers of Quraysh, used to. Manufacture nonsense against the Prophet, وسلم, not only would they answer their lies about Islam, but they would do it in style. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, used to listen to his poetry. The companions would sit and they would listen to the poetry. Even in the Haram Sharif, it was mentioned. Even in the Haram Sharif, someone chastised another, Why are you reciting poetry in front of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in the Masjid al-Haram in the shade of the Kaaba? The Prophet وسلم, says, No, he's saying the truth, let him keep saying it. The Prophet ﷺ said to Hassan bin Thabit when he would say this poetry, this poetry that Allah Ta'ala sends down the Holy Spirit as long as, you, as long as you say your poetry in defense of Islam and say it in praise of, 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 of the Prophet ﷺ in praise of me. You know what the Holy Spirit is? It's not God, it's not the Trinity. It's an expression that they used to use. The Trinity is something that becomes a formulation of, of, of Christianity centuries later. Centuries even after the Gospel. Even centuries after the Christians started believing that billah that, that, that Christ is the Son of God. يشركون, but they still didn't have the idea of the Trinity. Trinity is something that happened sometime later. The Holy Spirit is something that they understood was a divine a divine aid, a divine help that would come down on the believers at certain times that would increase their iman and would aid them in what they were doing. So, for example, there's a holiday that the Christians celebrate called the Pentecost, that that, that the story is that the 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 uh, disciples of Christ, they came together and the Holy Spirit uh, inspired them and all of them could speak the different tongues of the different nations of the earth in order to go and take the, the, the good news uh, of the Gospels to them. This is a story, it's there in the, in the, in the Injil. This actually happened to the companions of the Prophet Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas وسلم, People would come from the different nations of the earth to Hajj, he would, give, he would teach about Islam and give da'wah to people in their languages. And people were astonished, how could you learn all these languages? Hassan bin Thabit, الله, Zayd bin Thabit, عنه, the secretary of the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, in a matter of weeks, he learned Syriac, he learned Hebrew, he learned a number of different languages. He used to keep the correspondence of the Prophet وسلم, between all the different kings. He learned it within, within one week. It was a, it was a miracle. Rasulullah said, What? Keep reciting this poetry as long as you keep reciting this poetry in defense of Islam and in praise. Not praise like Hamd, the praise of Allah, like in faqr, in pride in the Prophet. As long as you keep reciting this poetry of praise, Allah Ta'ala will aid you with the Holy Spirit, with the Ruh al Quds. If you think it was a one time deal and now that offer is expired, you're wrong. How many people from that time until this time, the love of the Prophet وسلم, was a cause for Allah's madad and ta'eed to come down? the aid the divine aid that comes from a higher realm don't you know what that is that's why we're here together don't let this these uh, gatherings become just another cultural relic rather the way you keep them as part of the deen and not make them into a cultural relic is by your i'tiqad by your belief inside of your heart that this is a source of help from the lord allah ta'ala sent his messenger and commanded the entire creation to listen and to obey that if you want to serve me, you will listen to this message through this conduit. Just like somebody writes you a letter, you have to also read the paper that the letter is written on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a messenger with the message and the messenger was also part of the message. It's like this with every one of the prophets and Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, is the greatest of the prophets. Don't let the songs become a cultural relic. Rather, have i'tiqad, have belief inside of your heart. This is a way that we receive help from Allah. This is the way that we receive love from Allah. This is the way that we attract the attention of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's mercy and his help to us. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned in this book don't let the khatan be a cultural relic that we just show up for the cookie and cake that happens afterward. That's fine too. That's good. Go ahead and eat it. Enjoy. It's halal, inshallah. Sheikh Musa would never feed you something that, that's haram. But also read what's inside the hadith. Let it inspire you. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's mentioned, it's mentioned in, this, uh, in this wonderful collection that a man came to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa asking him for, for money. And Sayyidina Umar رضي anhu was is with him. Rasulullah very politely re- responded to them and very humbly responded to him and said, I don't have something to give you right now, but follow up with me. I promise I'll, 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 I'll take care of your need when you come again. He had already asked for money and gotten it in the past. He came again. And look at the messenger of Allah Sallallahu sallam. This is what we want to be. This is what we aspire to. Even if we can't be like that ourselves, at least we believe inside our hearts this is a better way of being which is what normally when somebody owes you money or when you want money from someone you have to be nice to them to get it out of them when someone asks you you have the luxury of blowing them off look at rasulullah sallallahu a man in need came to him to ask him not a first not the first time but again and he's so humbly told him, I don't have anything, but come back next time, I promise you I'll have it. As if he owes the man money, he doesn't owe him anything. Sayyidina Omar anhu saw this. And there's a point in what Sayyidina Umar anhu uh, said and how he reacted as well. It's like, why are these people bothering the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam? He's not your ATM. You're supposed to come here and you're supposed to tell him, let me serve you. Let me give something to you. How can I benefit from you? And this guy's hitting him up for money again. He's not your ATM. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Allah Ta'ala didn't make you responsible to give all of these people like more than what you have. So, you know, as if to say, why does this guy keep coming and asking, let's just like turn them away. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in that moment, by the way, said, no, Umar, what he said wasn't wrong. But in that moment, those who were present in that gathering, they realized something that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wasn't happy with what Umar said. And so one of, the, one of the ansar, one of the native, native uh, companions of Medina, he picked up on this and he looked at him. He says, Ya Rasulullah, I say you should give like a man who doesn't fear any sort of poverty or any sort of need or any sort of lack because he has the one who owns the, the, the magnificent throne behind him. يَخْشَى مِن إِقْلَالًا Allah Ta'ala, whose magnificent arsh, His magnificent throne, is greater than the heavens and the earth and all of the creation combined. When He gives the one who has Allah Ta'ala with Him, that one never fears falling short. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu the, Wasallam, the, the, the hadith is what? And it's narrated by one of Omar's sons, رضي الله عنه. He said that the Messenger of Allah saw and he, 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 he smiled. People would see the happiness in his face. That This Ansari understood. He gets it. They're on the same level. And he says, yes, this is what I was sent with. Let's sing the praise of the Prophet not just to say, well, my Prophet's bigger than yours, you can beat yours up. That's, that's like tribalism. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what? Let that nur enter inside of your heart to the point where you like to give better than you like to receive. Because that's how that Rasul ﷺ was. That, that's such a barakah. Whenever you feel that barakah inside of your heart, you get madad. I wanted to share like three hadiths with you. I don't want to make this talk too long, although I feel that I've already failed in that objective. But I wanted to share three, three, uh, two or three uh, uh, narrations with you, inshallah, of what we, what we read from this like really long collection of something like 400 some hadith. hadiths. Just so that we can all take away some lesson that when we sing the nasheeds, we can know what to remember and what the greatness is and what we can aspire to. Even though it's hard. It's hard to do those things. It's hard for anyone except for the one who their heart is filled with Allah Ta'ala's help. It's hard for anyone except for the one who the madad, the al-Qudus, the Holy Spirit fills them. Then they do those acts that even the saints will envy. Sayyidina al Hassan, the grandson of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu said, I asked my maternal uncle Hind, Ibn Abi Hala, who was skilled in describing and praising the Prophet Sallallahu to describe for me the speech of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was in a continual state of worry, mutawassil al-ahzan, and always absorbed in deep thought. He never had any rest, and he would remain silent for long periods and would never speak without need. This is despite the fact that he was always described as smiling at others but he would make it easy for others inside of himself he was always in pain and always in worry sallallahu alayhi wasallam he would begin and end his speech by mentioning the name of Allah most exalted his speech was compendious and his words were distinguished they were neither too much nor too little he was neither coarse nor demeaning he honored blessings even if they were small and never found fault with any of them. He would never find fault with praise or the taste of food or drink. Meaning he wasn't, he wasn't constantly taking pictures of things he ate and posting it on Instagram. That's not how he defined himself. By food and drink. It's fine. It's not haram and stuff like that. But the point is what? That's not how he defined himself. By what he ate and drink. That's how animals define themselves. Carnivore, herbivore. That's how they define themselves. By what they eat or drink. That's not, that's not, that's not what we're here for. The lower world, this lower material world, did not anger him nor did any of its affairs. But if the truth was transgressed against, meaning Islam was transgressed against or someone's right was transgressed against, nothing would quell his anger until he sought justice for it. He would never become angry for his own sake nor seek to avenge himself. He would never become angry for his own sake nor seek to avenge himself. When he would point at something, he would point with his whole hand and when he was amazed by something, he would turn his hand over, he would flip his hand, and he would gesture with his entire hand when speaking, and strike the inside of his left thumb with his right palm. When he was angry, he would turn away. When he was delighted, he would lower his gaze. His laughter was mostly smiles, and when he, was, when he would laugh, uh, his teeth appeared uh, snow-white like hailstones. The love of the Prophet Wasallam. It's narrated by Anas bin Malik عنه, that there was a man from the Bedouins named Zahir. The Bedouins are what? Those people who live in tents. They're nomads. They're very poor people. They're not people of status in society. There was a man from the Bedouins named Zahir who would gift the Prophet وسلم, things from the desert, and the Prophet وسلم, would give him supplies when, it, when he would take his leave. So what? He's like a herder. So he'd like bring milk or bring some wild honey or something like that from the desert. Like small gifts of a poor, simple, humble man. And the Prophet ﷺ would give him supplies when he took leave. The messenger of Allah ﷺ said, Zahir is our companion in the desert and we are his companion in the city. This is not somebody he's going to like become a king through or a great warrior or make money from or make connections or make contacts or make business or anything. It's a very simple and humble man. He said, Zahir is our companion of the desert and we are his companion in the city. The Prophet وسلم, loved him dearly. Anas bin Malik عنه, politely mentions, Now Zahir was an unsightly man. He wasn't a very handsome person according to conventional standards. Now Zahir was an unsightly man and one day the Prophet وسلم, approached him as he was selling his wares in the marketplace. He went behind Zahir and embraced him. Zahir, unable to see who it was, cried out, Who are you? Let me go. When he glanced back slightly, he saw that it was the Prophet ﷺ and tried best to rub his back against the Mubarak chest of the Prophet. ﷺ, now, instead of fighting the embrace, in order to accept it. And they were in the marketplace, right? So the Prophet ﷺ began to cry out. He was joking with him a little bit. Right, he was lighthearted. He wasn't like completely serious. Not everything is a funeral, mashallah. The Prophet began to cry out, "Who will purchase this slave?" Zahir said, "O Messenger of Allah, in that case, you're not going to get much money because I am, uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm that merchandise that's going to sell at a loss. So no one will buy me." The Messenger of Allah said, no, in the sight of Allah, you are not valueless. Rather, in the sight of Allah Ta'ala, you're precious, you're of great value. This is why we say he was the best of God's creation. Not because, you know, like, oh, we're Muslims, and so like, we're like, like in the religious equivalent of Crips, and like the Christians are the re- religious equivalent of blood, so we got beef just because, you know, blue and red, you know, for no reason, no. If somebody else brings this, then we'll see value in them as well. This is why, these are the reasons why the madad comes down. If you and me can do this as well, if we can see in those people that society has turned their back on, nobody else sees any value in them. They themselves don't see any value in themselves. But we see value, by the grace of Allah, we see value in them. And we make them feel that value then also the Ruh al-Qudus will come down on you as well. The madad will come to you as well. But everybody wants to chase the people who have money and who have power and who have beauty. Nobody wants to, uh, you know, see where the actual value is, the value that Allah Ta'ala placed in every person. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa who was known to be very direct in her speech and never held back from sharing her opinion even with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She was 18 at the time the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa passed away and lived an entire life. She was honored by the Khulafa Rashidun to the point where they, they she would the sitting Khalifa, she would oppose their uh, uh, legal opinions and more often than not, the Khulafa, when they heard that she had a different opinion, they would uh, g- come back from their opinion and, and accept hers as uh, the one which is authoritative. And if anyone wants to know about someone, ask their wife about them, ask their husband about them. And sheikh ends there. Now you'll find out the, the you know, the untold, Mulan Asab, the untold story. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, never struck anything with a blessed hand, she said Sallallahu Wasallam. Kn- he never struck anything with his blessed hand unless he was in the field of battle. He never struck neither a servant or a slave, nor did he strike a woman. In other narrations, he never struck even an animal, he never struck even a child with his mubarak hand Sallallahu Wasallam. If anyone ever had the right to strike another person imagine that the ma'asum messenger of allah the greatest of allah's creation he never lost patience to the point where he struck somebody except for in the battlefield and the last uh, hadith i wanted to share there's so many uh, you know beautiful gems that make a person cry if if you if you see them but uh, we have very little time and i don't want this uh, just to drag to the point of boredom That Aisha anha also narrated I never saw the messenger of Allah Sallallahu alaihi wasallam Exact revenge for a personal injustice Done against him So long as Allah's sanctity Was not violated If it was someone else's right He would stand for it If it was Allah's right He would stand for it If it had to do with his own self Someone just violated one of his rights He would always forgive it I never saw him take revenge For a personal injustice done against him So long as the sanctities of Allah Were not violated However, if any of Allah's sanctities were violated, and one of those sanctities, one of the greatest of them is that a person should violate the sanctity of another person. If any of Allah's sanctities were violated, he would be the angriest of people for that. And people have this idea that, you know, the sunnah has to be a bunny rabbit. No. The oppressor wants you to be a bunny rabbit. He's going to say, look, the Prophet ﷺ forgave everything. So don't be upset when unarmed black people in the city are... Choked out and tapped out, shot, killed, electrocuted. Don't be angry. We should be people of forgiveness. When wars are waged against entire nations of the earth, bomb them back into the stone age. Don't be angry. The Prophet was never angry. Hey, let's sing in the Didn't Shaykh say that that's a good thing? No. Rasulullah was, was was the one who was most fervent in exacting justice in those situations. The sunnah is not to be a bunny rabbit in the face of tyranny. Rather, the companions prided themselves. They're the ones, they straightened out the, the necks of tyrants on the ends of their spears. That's why we say, Radiallahu anhum. the creation needs people to stand up for the weak and the oppressed and those that injustice is done against. However, however, when it had to, something to do with him personally, he always forgave. The world needs less people who get angry for their own nafs, for their own ego. He never was put in a position to choose between two things, except for he chose the easier of the two. The easier of the two, unless unless it involved a sin. Unless it involved a sin. And don't think that the nafs, is, you know, the nafs a person's ego, is only there uh, when you want to eat or drink or in your carnal desires. Sometimes people have nafs in their deen as well. Sometimes the sunnah is to do what's easier, but your nafs likes doing what's harder, so you're going to show, I'm I'm hardcore. Remember Sheikh Tamim talking, I'm hardcore, I'm hardcore. It's Islam, brothers and sisters, it's not a prison game. We don't need to show everybody on the the prison yard how tough we are. Rather choose the path of the Rasul, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Ta'ala will aid you with the Holy Spirit. Allah Ta'ala will aid you with his madad with his divine assistance. The one who has the the, the possessor of the mighty and the magnificent throne with him, that one never fears poverty, never fears lack. Let that idea enter into your heart when you hear the nasheed and after you hear the nasheed. And when you Think of Islam. Let that be what your Islam is. Not political slogans or all this other stuff. It's fine. Politics is part of the dina as well. I'm not denying that. And we should also be thoughtful about all of those things. But that's not where the khair, where the goodness of all these things come from. The goodness of all these com- things come from what? The proof that Allah Ta'ala put in the messenger of Allah wasallam and his beauty. So that we could also know what goodness is. And those of us who life has broken us by its cruelty and by its injustices toward us can know that no matter how small injustice or how small cruelty, even when it's painful, even when it breaks us, that no matter when that cruelty affects us, it breaks us, it pains us, it causes us to cry, we know that the side of beauty and the side of goodness is greater than it. And it will always win, it will always overpower it. A day will come where all of us will bear witness to it. All we have to do is have faith. And on that day, wa akhiru da'wana wa akhiru da'wahum anil rabbil That day, those people that bear witness to that beauty overwhelming every ugliness and every pain, every injustice. Allah Ta'ala Himself says in His book that the last thing that they'll cry out. The last thing that they'll have to say after everything is said and done is praise be to Allah Ta'ala the Lord of the world. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Muhammad wa ala alihi